When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 Magazine. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. Greetings, this is Hugh Ballou. Welcome to Orchestrating Success. This is how leaders orchestrate success. And from my, my multiple years, 40 plus years as an active conductor and still as an active conductor many years later, I isolate the principles of good leadership that a conductor uses every day to build high performing teams and to create excellence within the culture. And in this series, we interview people who have really good perspectives, wisdom, and ideas on leadership. And today we have uh, a new friend, Ed Crow, and Ed brings some unique stuff, which is in synergy with what, what I, I believe and what I have practiced and what I have seen work in the market. So Ed, welcome to Orchestrating Success. Tell people a little bit about you and what's unique about your leadership perspective. Well, thanks for, for having me, Hugh. It's good, good to be here. So I think one of the things that's, that's unique for me is, well, let me, let me start with your first question. It's a little bit about me. So um, I've been a human resources and, and business consultant now for 20 years. I'm celebrating my, my 20th year this year. And um, I've had the chance to work with, uh, I, I counted them up. My, my marketing person said, Ed, how many people have you worked with? 250 different organizations in 20 years. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, and I think one of the things that, that has helped me with that success is that I don't cookie cutter approach things. I, I look at every client's individual needs as um, a person, but also for the business and say, okay, what are the buttons we have to push? What are the unique pieces there? And, and that's what my clients most appreciate about me. And, and it's something that, that I make a commitment on when, when I work with a new client is you, you're getting a customized piece of me to help solve your problems. And, and what's, so you have this, um, we are aligned in a number of ways since we've had a little time to, to get acquainted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just shared with you that people misinterpret what a conductor does. They mm-hmm. perceive a conductor as, as the uh, dictator. Well, <laughs> you know, there's an orchestra of highly skilled professionals probably union members and they come up they're there to play music and Mm -hmm. I can't make them do anything because I've got this little white stick but what I can do is influence them so Mm -hmm. fundamentally from my world leadership is about who we are and how we influence people talk a little bit about how influence is important in your work yeah I I couldn't agree more Uh, I do a lot of talking on influence because I think that it, it really is the crux of who we have to be, who we're called to be as leaders. 
And so when I think about influence and, and when I think about leadership, I think about starting with ourselves and our self-leadership. How do we conduct ourselves, right? So you use the analogy of, of conducting the orchestra and, and bringing all of these various pieces together to make something beautiful. And, and I look and say, how do we do that within ourselves? How do we bring the various pieces of ourselves together so that we can be the leader our people need us to be? And a lot of that starts with our self-accountability. You know, are, are we doing the things for us that we need to do for us? Are we expanding our horizons? Are we holding ourselves accountable in the same way we're holding our people accountable? You know, a lot of times the leader thinks, well, I'm in the seat. I can do whatever I want. No, not really. <laughs> you know, there, there has to be some level of integrity and influence over ourselves before our people will buy into our mission, our vision, and want to follow where we're going. So where does relationship fit into that? Well, I think, you know, after we figure out ourselves, it's the next most important thing. Um, you can look at great leaders from all walks of life. And one thing that's in common with all of them, not only did they have influence, but they built relationships with people. And I'm a firm believer that the only way in business that we get things done is through other people. And so it's one thing to say, well, I am a leader of people because of my title or my position, but it's another thing to be a true leader because we've built the relationships with the people. They know that we care about them. They know that we're, we want to help them be the best they can be, and we've built trust because of that. That, to me, is the crux of being a leader when it comes to the relationship piece, is do we genuinely care about our people? Or are we just using them as stepping stones? Those are two very different scenarios. One builds trust, the other builds contempt. And we see examples of both in, in, in the world today, don't we? Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we do. And the, the, the people that, that use others as stepping stones, will they get to the peak of the mountain? Yes, unfortunately, they will. They typically won't stay up there very long, though, because someone else is going to come along and say, you know what you did to me, you're out of here, and they're going to oust you. And so, you know, I think that it's worthwhile for us as leaders to focus on those relationships because we need others to get to the top, whatever the top means to us. But to stay there and do the things that a leader needs to do, we still need those other people. We can't get there and we can't stay on top of the mountain without other people supporting us. What's uh, you, you service clients all over and you share with me, you're now flying. We're recording this and um, hopefully toward the end of the pandemic, <laughs> end, of, uh, end of 2021, people could be listening to this anytime. Sure. Um, so what is, uh, what is the most important question? I'm going to, I want you to give me two answers. Okay. Uh, there's two questions, two answers. What's the most important question leaders ask you? And what's the most important question you wish they would ask you? Ah, so the most, the most often asked question is how do I know what my people want? And I always get amused by this one because to me, it's not rocket science. And my answer is always, well, when's the last time you asked them what they want, <laughs> right? Um, sometimes as leaders, we get so focused on 
reading the, the latest Harvard Business Journal or you know, the latest Forbes article or whatever it happens to be. And they're great sources of information. And we forget that our own people are even better sources of information for what's going on in the front lines in our organizations. And so um, I think that, that we have to be um, managers by walking around, right? There, there is something to be said for that age old adage of having a connection to our people and asking them, what do I need to be for you? And what do you need to, to be fully committed to where we're going as an organization? And we have to ask them that. What do I wish people would ask me is, how, do I, how can I become the leader my people need me to be? People always ask, how do I become a better leader? But I wish they would ask, how do I become the leader my people need me to be? Because how we lead in one organization or in one set of circumstances is going to be very different. And each time we lead a different group of people, they're going to need something different. And you probably see this in your conducting based on the assembled group of musicians and what they need from you at any given point in time may change based on the piece you're performing or how experienced the group is. Do you have a new first chair in a certain position? Those sorts of things. And so as leaders, we need to know those intricacies so that we can deliver on what our people need. Good answers. Very, very thought provoking. So I, um, from, I've been at this 30, almost 33 years now. And um, my career in megachurches was music director. And, and I got to work with, well, power leaders of major corporations who were in these churches, but they weren't really leaders. They were politicians. Mm -hmm. And so when I could get things done without the leverage of a paycheck, they went, okay. <laughs> so I, I earned respect for some power players. And I'm, yeah. I, I do coach some, some power leaders and there's, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's lots of myths about what leadership ought to be. Mm -hmm. And one favorite one is um, the boss syndrome. And I say, when I say to a leader, you're the boss. Yes, I'm the boss. I say, well, what if boss was double SOB spelled backwards? <laughs> Does that change your perception? Yep. So, yep. so in, in one power leader said to me, I got to go into my team and there's some things I don't, I don't have a handle on. What do I say to them? And I listen, you know, silence is a big part of coaching. And I said, Absolutely. why don't you ask, tell them? And silence again, he said, I can't tell them I have weaknesses. Oh my gosh violence again and i said you don't think they already know exactly <laughs> they already know they know what they are yeah i'm gonna say hey, i'm gonna get you i'm gonna show you you don't know <laughs> so there there are myths that we've we've inherited myths we've tell ourselves like you're born a leader no no that's a lie so right. what is what is the biggest myth that you encounter from leaders that you have to help them get over that myth mm. that they can go it alone and think that they can hit their goals. That being the leader means, yes, I set the vision, I have my vision, but I've got to work hard to plow ahead for that vision because I've got to make this happen. Now it has to be, we, we've got to make this happen. Nobody climbs Mount Everest by themselves. It takes a whole village for an expedition to get to the top of Mount Everest. Why do we think that leading a business could possibly be anything different. And 
you know, what, what I try to impart to these folks is that that's a recipe for number one on a personal front, burnout, overwork, um, losing time with your family because you're going to have to work like a dog in order to make something like that happen. And you're going to be frustrated because it's not going to be successful um, versus getting, the, uh, getting other people on board and fired up with your vision and wanting to come along on that journey with you. And it's a lot more satisfying, I think. And it's a lot more effective and you actually have people playing into using their passion yep. and collaborating. We, we don't really have a culture that understands the power of collaboration. It's more the custom of compromise, which is lose-lose for <laughs> collaboration is win-win consensus. Right. So we don't really understand that, do we? No, no. Um, and I think sometimes, and, you know, you, you mentioned about, about leaders feeling weaknesses at times. And sometimes I find that leaders will tell me, well, if I ask for help, that's a sign of weakness. No, it's just a sign you don't know everything. And your people don't think that you know everything. So, you know, show me a leader who thinks he or she knows everything. I'll show you someone who probably doesn't have a whole lot of respect to their people. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's okay. I mean, think about the heads of, of every government, mostly in the world, do those people know every, no, they've got cabinets or boards of advisors or whatever they call them in their country that are specifically put together to help complement and feed them the information that's specific that they need to make the bigger decisions. So, you know, again, when I, when I translate that back to the business world, as a leader, why aren't we surrounding ourselves with a C-suite or an executive team that fills in the kinks in our armor, that really complements us so that we can all fire on all cylinders. I love it. I love it. Love it. So let's talk about the, the self-empowerment, self-accountability, mm -hmm. uh, managing of self. As the, uh, the psychiatrist Murray Bowen wrote in his leadership, uh, he has eight concepts of leadership. And what stands out a lot in, in Bowen's work is the over-functioning leader. And the reciprocity, of course, is under-functioning. And so I think a setup for low performance in your, in your teams, in your culture, and a setup for burnout is over-functioning. So what do you say, and that's kind of the track you were starting on, yeah. um, the, I'm calling it over-functioning. Yeah. We do too much. Now, there's yeah. many facets of doing it alone, but over-functioning, do you see that? And what's your advice to people that are over-functioners? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working with a, a COO right now who is, as you put it, an over-functioner. And what's happening is he is, not only is he stressed out, he's burning out, He's not effective, but most importantly, and, and the reason that he came to me is it's impacting his family life. He, he's not able to be there for his wife and his daughters as much as he wants to be. And, you know, we, we looked at a, a very typical weekend day, forget the week, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, his typical Saturday starts at, you know, 5 a.m. Um, he gets a little bit of work done. He goes to a, a men's church group, then he's back to the office until usually mid-afternoon on Saturday before he goes home. I'm like, well, okay, so where in there was your family time? When do you ever take your kids to breakfast on a Saturday kind of thing and have that time with your daughters? And he says, well, I think it's important I get to the men's group at church. I said, absolutely. I think that's, that's an important piece. I said, but isn't that group designed to be over by 7.30 in the morning? He says, oh yeah, it meets 6.30 to 7.30. I said, why is that? 
well, because we're talking about being the men our, our families need us to be. I said, exactly. That doesn't mean you leave there and go to the office for four hours. That means go home, spend some time with the gang. You know, give them hugs in the morning, take them to breakfast. Daughters need their dads. And, um, you know, he looked at me the, the one day when we were talking about this, we were actually on the sidelines watching, uh, watching a softball game together. And um, it, it just, it kind of, it just hit him at that point in time that, yeah, here I'm going to this men's group that talks about being the, the fathers and the husbands that the women in our lives need us to be. And yet I leave there and I go right back to, <laughs> right, go back right to the office again. So it, it really does, we, we sometimes need that outside voice to say, hey, doing yeah yeah absolutely um i i advise everybody i talk to every keynote every group i, I say successful leaders have a coach yep. it's those that are going to go it alone and figure it out that are still hoping they could figure it out so uh, the, the really successful leaders in any field mm -hmm. have a coach yeah so you're uh, we're talking to um Entrepreneurs and corporate leaders, mid-cap level, but it's probably a lot of people who are in business and maybe in the business of nonprofit or church as well, because mm -hmm. leadership is leadership. Absolutely and, is. And I subscribe to and have written on around transformational leadership because it's it's what a conductor does. We just <laughs> so transformational leadership is about the vision. And to your point earlier, it's not all about you buddy. It's about what you're trying to do in the team. So respond to a couple of quotes, if you would. Sure. Uh, one by James Allen, the author, as a man thinketh, says people, and I've made it neutral, uh, people want to change their circumstances, but are unwilling to change themselves. They therefore remain bound. Mm -hmm. It's true. I liken that to, uh, and I think it goes back to our self-accountability, right? So you think about someone who's let you down. Maybe you get mad at them or you get frustrated or, you know, you're feeling some level of emotion and you're not buying whatever excuse it is they're giving you for letting you down. But I tell folks, okay, but when's the last time you let someone down? Why did you let them down? And what self-talk did you give? Was it, oh, were you telling yourself it wasn't important anyway? Oh, that deadline was unreasonable. Oh, the dog ate my homework. You know, what is it that you are letting yourself off of the hook for something that you wouldn't let one of your people off the hook for? That is the thing that holds us back the most, I think, when it comes to accountability. And so if we don't change that about ourselves, if we don't hold ourselves to the same high standards, we hold others, to your quote, we're going to keep ourselves bound exactly where we are. We are not going to be able to grow. And we're setting an example for everybody else to follow. That's right. Here's one more. I've said transformational leadership and what leaders do is we transform. So here's one from uh, Richard Rohr. Okay. Trans transformed people transform people. Okay. Say, say that again. Transformed people transform, transform people. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. So I'll tell you a personal story. So you know, a couple of years ago, I realized, you know, I do all of this work with clients. I'm training, I'm coaching, I'm mentoring. When's the last time I did something for me? And I realized, whoa, it's been a while. 
right? And, and so I decided to go down a different path and hold myself, it goes back to self-accountability, I'm big on this in case you can't tell. And I said, you know what, Ed? Okay, not only do you have to hold yourself accountable to going to things that are outside of your comfort zone and learning some new skills, but I needed to hold myself accountable to doing a little something every single day. And so every single day, if it's listening to a two minute blurb from maybe something John Maxwell has put out or reading a chapter in a leadership book, or you know, there's something just little that I do every single day to open my mind up to a new idea. And some of the things I grasp onto and say, yeah, this is great, I can get behind this. Others I say, huh. I don't know if I buy into that, but it forces me to think and come up with concrete reasons why maybe I don't buy into it. And so my point is that I, I realized I wasn't being the best I could be for my clients because I was getting a little stale. And so as leaders, if we aren't constantly looking at ways to make ourselves better, not just for ourselves, but for our people, we're going to stagnate and we're going to lose our effectiveness in developing those people around us. Love it. Love it. So as we're coming toward, uh, this is really useful stuff, Ed. Thank you. Coming, oh, great. Great. Coming up to um, um, closing this, let's, let's talk about salt. You're the, ah, salt, the salt of the earth. <laughs> yes. now, so tell us about your acronym there and why is that important? You know, you're going to love this story. So this was a, this was a pandemic um, idea here. We're sitting in church um, one Sunday, and the sermon was on being salt of the earth and how, how valuable salt was uh, in biblical times. And really throughout history, it's, it's been very much, it's been used as a commodity, a trading device, a form of pay in many cases. And I, I just had this, this aha moment about, aren't we called to be salt of the earth for our people? And I walked out of church that day and I was like, all right, God, something, you're telling me something here. And the more I pondered it, the more I realized that salt meant something more to me than just a spice or something that was valuable. And I started to think about if we're salt of the earth people, that means we're probably serving others. And I thought, you know, we, there's a lot been written about servant leadership, and, and I value that. I think there's something to be said when you're developing other people, you're, you're doing a service for them and making them better. And I said, okay, there, there's something there. And I said, what's another good, good thing about salt? And I said, well, you know, it brings out the flavor and things. It helps us appreciate the flavor of the food that we use it in. And I thought, well, we got to do the same thing for our people. If, as leaders, if we don't show appreciation for our people, they're going to lose commitment. They're going to lose respect. But here's the other problem with salt, right? You use too much of it, you can get high blood pressure <laughs> or it can ruin the taste of food. So we've got to listen. We can't use too much salt. And so we've got to listen to our people as leaders, listen to what they need, what they're asking for us. And then the thing is with, with salt, you know, if you're, if you're a baker, especially, you don't mess around. You don't like get, it's not guesswork when you're baking. You know, you've got to measure everything out perfectly to get the end product, the cake to taste right, the brownies to be moist, whatever it happens to be. And so you got to be careful how much salt you use. And, and I realize that's about trust. 
and that we have to trust our people as leaders. We have to trust the fact that we've developed them to do what we need them to do. We've listened to their problems and we've helped them solve their problems. We need to trust them to carry on the vision that we've asked them to carry on in the way that they can do it best and sit back and watch them blossom and, and get away from being, say, a control freak or a micromanager. And so those four principles of service, appreciation, listening, and trust often form the foundation upon which I work with leadership groups because I think that there, there's just so much power that comes out of those four items. And they really do build on one another. And so what I find is this, this idea of a leader who can exhibit those four traits can really transform themselves and truly be a salt of the earth person for their people. And you know, when you say being salt of the earth, that brings good connotations. Like this is a good person. They're solid. They're, they're a rock we can build on. Isn't that what we want to be as leaders? So if people want to know more about Ed Crow, where do they go? Uh, they can go to edcrow.com. They can find, <laughs> find all kinds of stuff about me. And of course, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Facebook, and, and I've got some great content out on YouTube as well. Um, but my website is a great place to find out more about me, how I approach uh, my work with clients and the, and the breadth of things that, that I can assist with. It's K-R-O-W, Ed, K-R-O-W dot com. Yes, thank you for that. Ed, Ed Crow has a lot to offer. So Ed, as we're winding up here, I'm going to ask you at the end, you know, what's one thought you want to leave people with? But before that, mm -hmm. I find that I learn something with every client, mm -hmm. which helps me be a better leader of leaders. And that, I think we're in the same space there. So mm -hmm. What are some of the recent things that's helped you raise the bar on your performance that you've learned from some of the people you work with? You know, I used to feel like um, I couldn't always be my truest self, whatever that means to, to, to an individual person. I, I used to feel that way. And what I realized is, is that when I can't be my truest self, I'm, I'm not most effective. And sometimes I almost feel like I'm being deceitful or lying, you know, because I feel like I'm hiding a part of who I am. And I've, I've had the chance to work. There's one guy in particular that, that I recall um, who's the CEO of an organization and he leads with his faith. He really does. They are not a faith-based organization, but faith is very much a part of their culture. And I remember saying to him one time, well, you know, what if you bring someone in who is a non-Christian? And he said, you know, Ed, though we lead with a Christian faith, the principles of being our truest selves and caring about other human beings is what I, I am most concerned about when I interview, especially for leaders in my organization. So I don't care if it's a non-Christian, if they are willing to lead from a place of gratitude and service and recognizing that there is something greater than all of us in the world. And um, I, I just, I remember sitting across the desk from him and I just had that wow moment, you know, that it's okay to be our truest selves because if people don't appreciate us for who we are, then maybe we're hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. So what thought do you want to leave people with as we end this really helpful interview? So 
I love this quote from Jackie Robinson. Um, and and it, it's something that I start a lot of my work with clients with, and I always end with it. Jackie said, a life isn't significant except for the impact that it has on other lives. And when I think about that quote, to me, that sums up what we're called to do as leaders. We're called to have an impact on other people's lives. And that means we, we need to be significant. We need to build ourselves up to be strong leaders called to lead others and help them achieve their goals. And so that, that to me is, is our end result. You know, let's go out and figure out how we can be significant and impact other people's lives. Ed Crow, thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience today. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. And you can find Ed at edcrowkrow.com. And I'm sure there's a, there's a contact form there. People can reach out. There absolutely out. is. Yep. Yep. Button right on the front page there. They can click on that and get some free, free minutes with me to chat and get to know me. All right, Ed. Thanks again. Hey, thank you, Hugh. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.